Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another amazing episode of the Smashed Bashed Yet Not Dash podcast. We're coming to you today, as you will see, the Settle Be Sold sign behind me from the GBA in Noida, a facility which is not only an amazing training facility, but is also being used for many other things like what we are doing today as well. So coming to my guest today, a fantastic person who I hadn't even heard of, believe it or not, till 2017 when I was visiting New York and a friend of mine showed me this video about this guy who has started this initiative with basketball and village children. I saw the video. It looked like a really familiar place. And I said, you know what? I think that's where I stay. And then I looked up this person. And this person, ladies and gentlemen, is our guest for today. The amazing Pradyut Valetti. If you haven't already heard of him, you will hear about him today. A fantastic story, a fantastic person, a man on a mission. And someone that you're really going to listen to and want to watch as well. So with that said, let's go on and start today's podcast episode. Have you ever been knocked down and found it hard to get up? Have you ever been knocked down and bounced back to come back even stronger? Hi, I'm Gaurav Bhagat and you can call me GB. And welcome to the Smash Bashed Yet Not Dashed podcast. A fortnightly podcast where I speak about persistence, perseverance and overcoming the odds to come out ahead. So, Pradyut, welcome to the GBA. Welcome to the Smash Past Yet Not Dash podcast. It is an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. It's been a, a pleasure listening to you and it's an honor for me to be here at the Gaurav Bhagat Academy. So, I see you have your Mayo jacket on. What is it about us boarding school kids that truly, you know, embody the passion and the smashed bashed yet not dashed attitude? What, what's your thought on that one? Um, I mean, I think we uh, have the ability to dare to dream. You know, I think uh, when we start an initiative or, uh, you know, we want to do something in life, I think we've got uh, not just our batchmates or uh, our friends and family, we've got an entire school starting early 1800s maybe. Yeah. And they're all there to support us and, you know, uh, push us in, in whatever ways they can for us to have a successful venture. Love that. A dare to dream. Truly love that. So you went to Mayo, um, I guess, uh, you know, early teens or maybe even pre-teens. So what was Mayo like when you first got into Mayo? How was that like for you? What was that experience like for you? Um, I mean, I was in a school in Noida before that. Uh, I wasn't great with academics and uh, I was uh, always wanting to play sports. So when I visited Mayo for the first time, I was like, man, you know, this is the place where athletes can be yeah. trained, can be nurtured. And uh, uh, my experience over there was like none other. Um, I played basketball. I developed uh, some lifetime friends and... Uh, um, I developed a passion to do more for the society and, you know, be able to give back and do more for basketball. Lovely. And what is it that took you to the basketball court in the first place? Because I know when you go into a boarding school, and of course, you know, being in a boarding school myself, um, you're expected to be a jack of all trades. Uh, you're expected to play multiple sports. I'm not sure that's the same in, in Mayo as well. But what is it that took you to the game of basketball in the first place? So let's hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I actually visited the US in uh, 2001 2. Uh, that was the Kobe Bryant, uh, Allen Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal era. And I happened to play a lot of basketball over there with my cousin. So that's where I really fell in love with the game. And I came back and then we 
in a conventional uh, school in Noida, you're basically juggling between tuitions and even an hour of sports. And then this was here was a boarding school where you could play sports for four, three to four hours every day. Uh, that's what really took me. And of course, my seniors and everybody, I started picking up the game. I started learning pretty fast. I was competing against my seniors. I think that really motivated me to like, you know, go all out with basketball. Awesome. And who would have imagined that one day the passion will actually become uh, an important part of your life and even your profession and your calling? Indeed, so, indeed. Yeah, good stuff. Now, post-school, right? You finished in Mayo, uh, you're in Noida. I think you did Amity uh, where you were actually doing a little bit of clinical psychology and, and stuff like that. You were supposed to head out to the US as well. And I think that kind of, you know, fell through for you at that point of time. So... What was that for you? You know, when you had these big dreams, you said, okay, I'm going to be going to the US, I'm going to be studying there, but that kind of fell through. So at that point of time, how did you really feel? I mean, I uh, had a core area of interest in substance abuse. I did my bachelor's in psychology. I did my master's in clinical psychology. I was interning at a top rehabilitation center in Delhi where we had patients who were suffering from drug addiction, substance abuse, psychosis. Uh, and uh, I learned a lot. Uh, it actually made me want to continue to learn more about this disease, which uh, is uh, very, very rarely spoken about. There's too much stigma attached to it. Um, and uh, I continued to read. I was in sessions called Alcohol Anonymous, and I was visiting re rehab centers across Delhi, uh, and I found a lot of youth, you know. Um, and I felt that sports was, like, completely lacking in this entire uh, area. Basketball was always an important part of my life. Uh, and if I didn't have a day of basketball, it was like a depressed day uh, for me. Um, so uh, while I was pursuing my school, while I was pursuing college uh, and my master's, basketball was still an integral part of my life. I just didn't know that it will become my profession. Right. Um, and when I did decide to go to study something called dual diagnosis in the US, which didn't fall through, um, I was like, why not just coach basketball in my, my society and, you know, try to strain a few kids. Mm -hmm. um, I started going onto YouTube, watching drills, videos, just figuring out how do you teach this game, right. you know. Right. And uh, there came an insight uh, where I was uh, surprised to see that we were like not taught even 1% of what we should have been taught when we were learning the game. And that was the agenda behind Dribble Academy uh, to bridge that gap between America and India and Europe and India right. and, and give children an opportunity to learn the game the right way. You know, right. whether success happens post that, how many players make it to the NBA or to professional leagues, that's secondary. But the priority is every kid should be able to go back after five years and say, I learned the game the right way. Right. You know, right. and that's the entire agenda behind Dribble Academy and uh, uh, that entire venture of just working with these 20 kids uh, in my society um, uh, started growing. It was 50 kids, 100 kids, a couple of societies. And, right. and I felt I had a calling for it. Mm -hmm. uh, parents who saw me coaching, kids who were a part of my academy uh, felt that, you know, there was something different about the training. Right, you know, and that's, that's really what hooked me onto it and said, you know, why not just go all out with basketball and, yeah. and, and, and teach kids the game the right way. Interesting. So it almost started out as a hobby, something to make some additional pocket money on, let's just say. Because I know my son, Nirvan, who's now 15, and he was probably one of those first few batches that, you know, came to you. And, and Ronaldo would keep talking about, you know, how there's this amazing coach and, you know, what's really happening. And then, of course, that's when I came back from the US and you know, I kind of put, you know, two and two together. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is Pradyut, right? And of course, we've been bumping into each other over the years as well. So let's just go back to a bit to the time when you were working with these kids, you know, who were, sub who were suffering from substance abuse, uh, you know, and the likes as well. Um, that must have also pained you immensely because, you know, coming from, um, 
you know, a background where, of course, you know, parents being, you know, doctors, uh, very successful ones at that. And also seeing, you know, your um, life in, in performance sports and, and the likes, it must have been fairly pained or, or painful for you as well, just to see what was really happening you know, to these people. Um, you know, wh- while I was studying uh, addiction and, and, uh, and the people I was coming across, one of the major things which I saw was that people who were suffering from any kind of addiction, whether it's alcohol or substance abuse, um, had something missing in their life. And I felt like a recreational physical activity was something huge which was missing from their life. When I interacted with them and when I was involved with some kind of physical activity, I saw them really improve significantly. And, and scientific research has shown that any form of physical activity uh, 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 can reduce the the chances of you leading towards depression or anxiety or any kind of disorders. Uh, So I felt that, you know, why not take sports to more villages? Why not take basketball to more places and be able to engage more kids who are at risk? I won't say that they were um, uh, using a substance, but I was uh, very sure that they are prone to uh, some form of use of substance and and my idea was can we prevent that can we engage them at the right age in the right direction right. and and give them a sport to love and I think we'll be able to solve a big problem for the country I love that and you know they always say this that the two most important days uh, in a human's life is one is of course the day they were born and second is quoting from Simon Sinek the day they find their why and I think for you there was a time when you were dropping your driver I think you called him Pavan Bhaiya you were dropping him back to Geja after Correct. you know his duty at the AT- at ATS and uh, that's when your Eureka moment happened, right? Where, okay, my passion for basketball, um, keeping kids away from, you know, idle time where they can fall prey to, you know, substance abuse, etc. And it all came together and then there was probably a, a flashbulb moment where you said, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Talk us through, you know, that time. Like, how was it really when, you know, all of this came together and you said, okay, this is the village I'm going to pick up. Um, these are the people I will empower and this is how I'm going to do it. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean... I, my basketball career in terms of coaching actually so started in the society I live in. Yeah. Uh, and while my driver would often see me, you know, train, he always asked, uh, why not something for the village kids? You know, why not something over there? And till a few months, I kind of shunned that idea saying, you know, wh- what do I do? How do I do this? Where do I get the funding? I have only so many hours in the evening. Sure. How will I work with them? And then came an insight when one of the days when I was dropping him back, I saw this a bunch of kids on a 100 meter sprint, you know, and uh, that is the kind of speed I'd never seen with the other kids I was working with, you know, and I was like, what if this this kind of agility and quickness could be channelized? Uh, Of course, there were areas where I had seen addiction. Of course, there were people in the village who I knew were suffering from domestic violence or alcoholism, Uh, ladies in our our society who had husbands who were alcoholics. And I was like, we need to change the example for their children, right? We need to have better role models for these kids okay. uh, rather than their fathers. And and that's where the entire journey of Dribble Academy in Geja Village began, where uh, on a whims, you know, we just started donating basketballs and got a few uh, hoops collected. I didn't even know how to get a court made, but we found a school owner and uh, just friends and family donated me some money and I started it on a half court and I would go there at 7 p.m. in the evening post making money in the societies and work with these kids for an hour. Um, and uh, yeah, who knew f- two years, uh, six months down the line, they were like winning tournaments, going across Noida, playing matches, uh, defeating teams. Um, and most of all, you know, as the, the village had said that, you know, whether they make it to the next level or not, they are now away from a lot of petty crime, substance abuse, 
and a lot of activities which they won't want their children being involved with, you know. So, so, so that is where the entire journey began of Dribble Academy Foundation, a not-for-profit which aims to channelize the energy of the youth in the right direction through basketball. Uh, we started this project with uh, two kids, Pawan Bia's two sons. Mm-hmm. And now we work with 1,000 kids in Geja and about 4,000 kids across uh, rural UP, Rajasthan. And we are picking up projects in Haryana. Wow. And our entire vision is to take this game to 100 villages by 2030. Lovely. Wow. That's like absolute, like I get chills down my spine when I hear, you know, you relating that incident and uh, truly amazing. And, you know, before we come to the academy and some of the other stuff as well, I also want to talk about... Um, you know, the issue of, of, let's just say, parental support, right? Because there are a lot of friends, you know, both, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm sure you had some in your time, and of course, friends of mine as well. And when they came with their dream, you know, vision or project or something that they wanted to do, even on a whim or a fancy, you know, just like you did, um, their parents said, no, this is not conventional. This is not going to work. You can't do this. You know, doctor, bano, engineering, karo, um, you know, become an accountant, find a job, you know, do something traditional, um, and of course, hats off, you know, to your parents, uh, you know, they actually said, okay, if this is what you want to do, you know, go ahead and pursue it. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. How was, how did your parents approach this? Because both very, very successful doctors based on Noida. And when you came and said, okay, this is something I intend to do and, you know, blow up. What was, what was their reaction at the time? Correct. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I somehow never faced any resistance by them. Uh, of course, they were nervous about, you know, whether this is actually a successful career because we hadn't seen coaches who uh, or have any coaches we have a doctor's family majorly uh, but uh, my father's a firm believer in uh, you know giving it your 101% if you're going for something nice. so he was like it doesn't matter what you do in life but if you go all out you're going to be successful yeah. you know uh, and that's when I said you know if I want to teach this game the right way I need to go to the US I need to learn this game and uh, uh, yeah yeah so you know it's uh, uh, it's been a testing model it still is mm-hmm. To be honest, but uh, I believe that the potential is only going to get better by the day. The the entire sporting industry, the investment in sports, in general, with uh, a lot of parents now understanding the importance of their children being engaged in a sport, even recreationally, uh, is is only growing by the hour. And I I, I see the sky as a ceiling for that. Mm, agreed completely. So early challenges that may have popped up, and I'm sure there must have been several, but some that really stand out for you where you were like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? So what are some of those early challenges in the early, early days of the academy? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, one of the major areas was, of course, when we started this not-for-profit, we didn't even start the not-for-profit up till 2016. I didn't even know what a not-for-profit was or what the benefits of a not-for-profit was or what corporate social responsibility was. so it was just uh, me getting paid in my bank account or like friends and family just donating us a pair of shoes. Uh, so we had like different struggles of like, you know, trying to daily on a daily basis, figure out what more can we do for these kids? How do we get them for a tournament? Uh, you know, it was all about going on Facebook and saying this, is my team, I want to send them to Delhi for a tournament and someone would sponsor a bus or like travel for these kids because because mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have funding. Uh, and... Uh, but but it's been interesting in terms of uh, being the entire ecosystem on how so many people came in together. I can't even count them. The, the number of people who've come in together to help in their own little ways. As a matter of fact, the society we live in has played the most vital role. If it wasn't for them, Geja wouldn't have been what Geja is today. You know, So a community of affluent people decided that 
while our kid gets learn uh, an opportunity to learn basketball why not a village kid why not a village girl you know and then they were playing matches over here and it was also a bridging of the cap because sometimes now with gated communities and uh, you know the entire ecosystem you don't really come across a poor kid sometimes an affluent kid might not even come across the daily struggles of a poor kid but now here here we are 5 years down the line where a kid calls me up and saying i have a pair of shoes i have a basketball can i donate it you know so so we made that entire community um uh, and uh, you know we still struggle because uh, we don't know every february we got to think about march uh, are we going to get funded again is a corporate going to continue to support our initiatives some continue only for a year some switch into different that thing but we're fortunate that we're above waters and uh, i think uh, now with uh, uh the corporate social responsibility becoming a bigger agenda even for the government i think now uh, more and more people want to do something for their community want to give back to their villages want to uh, uh, uh see those underprivileged children uh, reach uh, reach uh, you know to wherever their highest potential is and Correct. and i think uh, uh, uh you know the not for profits or someone who wants to work in that community uh with the current laws in place i think uh, there is a lot you can do yeah you know agree 100% and again that's only going to grow and of course uh, you know using the various uh, means that i have at my disposal i'm definitely going to see how and we can definitely do you know more for the triple academy as well and it's very interesting when you talk about you know privileged kids from you know so called you know higher society or you know upper middle class etc um their challenges are so different compared to challenges of you know rural india i'm talking about even okay even semi urban you know clusters where you've got these villages you know which are part of even urban clusters um like a few years ago you know when kids are being spoken to in our families like oh it's such a crisis you know the wifi is down you know so that is the kind of crisis that these guys were talking about but when you look at some of the lives that these village kids are leading right here you've got people where as you mentioned you know husbands are beating up wives um kids are having to maybe attend your classes in the morning and then go and actually pedal or sell vegetables because they can't even be afford to be sent to school so i mean that must also be really heartbreaking for you right to see someone who has potential but yet cannot give that time because of life and the challenges of life yeah i mean you know uh, we've had kids who had to unfortunately leave the program some of the kids have come back to the program but uh, uh but a, a lack of opportunity or a lack of exposure to what all uh, they can do in terms of better job opportunities uh, actually limits them from even thinking that this is something which i can do i can become a photographer i can become a videographer but if you're not exposed to it you don't even know that there is a job opportunity for you sure. in this particular segment so uh, in general uh, 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 we are working with children who come from families where their fathers an electrician plumber domestic help and now these kids want to become engineers doctors uh, basketball coaches you know uh, video editors and and what we are trying to do is we're trying to give them exposure in all those fields so that by the time they finish class 12th or finish college uh, they have you know been able to put their hands in multiple things and now they're more clear about hey okay this is what i want to really get into so we're trying to bring in more collaborators more people who want to like as a part of their companies as a part of their organizations want to you know employ some of these children eventually and we're trying to set up that uh, in terms of that but yeah i mean in the struggles are still real these children are coming from families where they are living in a 150 square feet house eight of them uh, you know uh, don't even know if they get one nutritious meal a day um, in the urban slums and uh, their parents are working 9 to 9 
trying to send them to a private school uh, within the village but uh, they also aspire for their children to break out of poverty and you know uh, lead a more successful life and we're just a part of that and we're hoping that with our after school programs with our in school programs we can improve attendance in education we can improve their overall physical activity their health side their mental health uh, for them to uh, continue to develop at a rapid pace awesome and of course you've had some amazing success stories i mean you talk about shaili and shivani um in shivnath school now uh, one of them is going to mns rai so that must be brilliant i mean success stories that they can take back you know to their homes and say that this is you know what basketball has done for us so must be extreme extremely gratifying i mean more than anything else just seeing these kids living the dreams that they always wanted to yeah i mean you know uh, these kids have gone through like multiple obstacles like not being able to play in the districts because a new rule came out where they had to have a date of birth certificate within 3 years of being born uh, which is rarely to find in in poverty stricken areas but uh, they just continue to fight through shivani got through mnss rai and now has gotten through economic honors at delhi university uh, so Uh, two boys, uh, you know, went to Orlando, played in a championship Sachin out there Dinesh, in front of right? WNBA. Yes, yeah, Sachin Dinesh. I, yes, I saw yes. that video as well, and um, imagine that. And one of them went back twice and scored Correct. like twenty-six points in a game, Correct. Correct. in like playing with the best in the world. And yeah. there's someone from your team, like your Indeed. batch, like your Indeed. guys. I mean, what Indeed. A, what yeah, a, yeah. How was yeah. that for them when they went for people who never been out of perhaps even you know their region or their district? traveling to orlando and and playing with the best in the world how was that experience for them yeah i'm sure i mean i wish i was there but uh, yeah the the experience is taking your first flight of your life uh, you know going all the way there sitting in front of nba players getting an opportunity to play in an indoor wooden court living in disney world resorts and spas so it was definitely an experience it actually motivated them to work harder they came back aspire to work and now both of them are in a christian college called saint claret in bangalore now mm-hmm. pursuing 11th 12th grade mm-hmm. so uh, it's definitely gratifying to see the success of uh, some of these students however i feel that the success of the program is that we've had less than a 2% dropout in 5 years time where kids who've joined our program we have pictures of them being like mini toddlers and now they're like all grown up uh, so children have hooked on to basketball not just because it can give them a brighter future most of them will never make it big through basketball but at the same time they feel that this is a part of them coming uh and making friends working in a team i think that's something which is crucial for the next generation that you need to know how to work in a team uh and and that's something which basketball teaches you instead of any individual sport agreed agreed oh 100% yes i mean just playing together as a team which is today perhaps more important than anything else i mean the world today is moving to le- towards you know collaboration less towards competition and and what better way than basketball to make that happen so started out with 20 odd kids you know today heading to close to 4000 across uh, you know the the up and the rajasthan belt what is the future really hold for the jimla academy and for pradyut yeah i mean the the um, we are actually it's it's kind of a battle where um, uh, a lot of corporates still are saying we need to go all out with education uh, you know so they are willing to build schools they are willing to build classrooms but a lot of them are not willing to play, build sports playgrounds and what we are trying to encourage corporates is to say 1% of your entire education budget is what i need to promote sports in your school okay. so and sports is education sports is not a part of education sports is education 100%. and and if you're looking at all round development which is what the goal is then you cannot achieve that without emphasizing the importance of a healthy and active lifestyle right. we're leading towards becoming a diabetic capital of the world 
you know, we have a lot more kids who are obese, a lot of kids who are having health problems. Sports or physical activity will be the solution to a lot of these issues, uh, which will also reduce costs for the government. Uh, and, and so that is what we're trying to encourage. And basketball, why basketball is because we feel that this game actually requires minimal infrastructure. Once it's set up, all you need is a hoop and a ball, you know, and, and it can go to the streets of India. Uh, we're just starting a program today in Okla, in, in Sanjay Colony called Slum Basketball, mm -hmm. which is going to be in the middle of a slum. We're going to have a half court out there. And uh, basketball's got a new sport called three on three, which is an Olympic sport now. Mm -hmm. And a very fun and engaging sport. So uh, our, our, our pitch or our entire, um, um, you know, uh, uh, message to the corporates is that, you know, Try to start investing a small portion of your CSR funds into education, uh, into sports. And and uh, you can choose any sport you want. Right. But uh, this is going to be the game changer for these children who have so much of energy that education in its own cannot take it on. Yeah. A nine-year-old kid is not going to be very interested in going to a computer class than he would be interested in going to a sports playground. Correct. So, so we need to understand what the population is and... And currently, there was a recent statistic which has shown that a large amount of our CSR fund is for above the age of 18 or 20, whereas our population below that is the mass population. So we need to channelize and see what is the next population, what is the next youth for the country and try to see what are the five ways we can, you know, try to solve problems like petty crime or health or substance abuse or... Uh, um, uh, or just, you know, discipline and leadership skills. Yeah. Uh, and I think sports uh, teaches you all those valuable life skills in a very short amount of time uh, without you really directly teaching it, right. you know. Right. Right. Um, so when a corporate is being looked at for investment, and, and you've always, you know, I've seen you mention this on various, uh, you know, forums before, that the point is, we need a half court, you know, at least. We need, uh, you know, of course, you know, the, the hoops and we need some balls. What kind of investment is expected from a corporate to make this into a reality from just a pipe dream right so so what we are basically looking at uh, is uh, you know of course a basketball court sometimes there are existing courts so we are also exploring partnerships with the government now a lot of the governments are now open to a public private partnership yeah. so there are places like for example if i have to give you an example of delhi mm -hmm. delhi will have at least 50 unused basketball courts in the government schools mm -hmm. what they don't have is the funds to run that program Right. Yeah. So if we can come together, we can use existing infrastructure. It's also saving the environment right. rather than making more and more infrastructure. Right. Utilizing existing infrastructure is our initial goal. Yeah. And the next stuff which we're looking for is uh, on an average, we're looking at about five lakhs a year. Um, and we can work with about 300 kids in wow. five lakhs, which takes care of the coach's salary, a basic admin, a program manager, awesome. um, uh, just a little bit. Of yep. course, if something has to be bigger than that in terms of social media or marketing or anything, of course, that goes a little higher. But on an average, what we're saying is it on an average, a kid in a society would get trained for 1500 uh, a month, True right? And what we're saying is we can train a kid for 365 days for 3000 rupees. Wow. So, so that is the, the kind of impact you can create yeah. uh, where all you need is about uh, uh, $50 a year, less than that rather. And uh, we can help you take this game to more places. Lovely. Right. So, you know, for listeners of this podcast, uh, for watchers of this YouTube video, um, I just think that 
that is such a small amount that we can just put aside, you know, to contribute, you know, towards a cause as noble as this one. Of course, this conversation is not over. We'll still keep this going. We just want to pause for just a second here and just think that could we not all even forget the big CSR, you know, budgets of the large corporates, which of course I know many of you corporates are here. And maybe you and I can have that conversation and, you know, bring Pradyot into the picture and make that happen as well. Um, my companies, of course, are very, very fortunate to work with some of the largest companies and names in the world. Many of you are, of course, you know, listeners and watchers of this podcast and YouTube video. And I think we can help, you know, divert some of those funds you know, towards this initiative. I mean, what better way? What better person? And I think let's really make that happen. I know in my own personal capacity, there's a few things I'd love to do for you is, you know, one is, uh, of course, from the knowledge side, if, you know, based on all my experience in terms of entrepreneurship and everything else, if I can bring that even as a consulting mandate free of charge, you know, to the academy and just be like a knowledge partner where, you know, maybe sometimes I can I can come in and, and do certain work, you know, with the kids. And of course, you know, also be a part of some of your corporate pitches and presentations. I think that's something I'd love to do in my personal capacity Indeed. from the GBA. Indeed. And um, of course, uh, for Consortium, which is a gifting company, uh, we'd love to, you know, even sponsor things like we do a lot of uh, sports bottles. We do a lot of kits, a lot of bags. So there's stuff we can do there. I mean, happy to do, sure. do that. We do for so sure. much for, you know, companies like, you know, the Cokes of the world and, and, and the auto companies and the BMWs and everything else. So happy to, you know, even, you know, just arrange for a constant supply of of high performance, you know, bottles that, you know, keep them hydrated and the water and beverages cool. So, I mean, in whatever little ways I can. And of course, happy to make a, a material com- contribution as well. Indeed. Um because, yeah, I mean, truly a, a noble cause. And I, I love how you're also thinking out of the box. I mean, sometime back, you'd involve Manali, um, you know, to also come in and teach some of these girls, you know, how to just cook in a way that they also had some more skills, you know, beyond what they were learning in school, uh, beyond, you know, what they were doing uh, in, on the courts, even some more life skills. And I know the pandemic has probably pay, played a bit of a dampener. So talk me through these pandemic times because it's been disruptive for many people. So Correct. what really has happened in the last two years and how are we bouncing back from that? Right. So, I mean, the pandemic, uh, we've been extremely fortunate. We had corporates who came on board right before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, one of them being HCL Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, And they have supported us throughout this entire time. Uh, We didn't have to withdraw salaries or reduce salaries for anybody. We didn't have to do anything. We actually, actually moved online. We started doing data recharges for the kids. We started doing online basketball activities. We started calling American volunteers who were running a dribbling session all the way from San Francisco for the kids in India. And they were in their own houses. They were on their own local parks, just dribbling a ball on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've tried to like, you know, move towards the tech space during this entire time. We're not anyways anywhere close to where we want to be, right. especially with the kind of limitations these children have where they don't even have an accessibility to a phone. Eight members in the family, one phone with a father and mother can't be shared amongst eight. So it is definitely a task. But uh, the pandemic has taught us a lot in terms of uh, being able to, uh, you know, I mean, you never thought about it, right? Nobody ever thought that something like this could hit you. Uh, And that's what we are now working towards is moving towards sustainability, moving towards uh, finding ways to continue to grow um, and and expect something in in later on in life. So that is like an emergency clause. You have a contingency uh, backup. Uh, we were fortunate that we had, I know not for profits who couldn't survive the pandemic, uh, but uh, but our corporates like HCL Foundation had a vision of uh, not stopping anything, continuing to impact the children they were working with us and with everybody across the country. Uh, and we hope to, you know, increase that partnership, uh, take it to more villages, not just in Uttar Pradesh, but in multiple states across the country. Awesome. Um, and I think that the 100 village uh, goal might just be something which they'll be a huge part of. 
Right, right. Yeah, no, fantastic company. And interestingly, uh, Mr. Nader is also a Sonarian. And uh, of course, a fantastic company doing some great things for the people of Noida. And uh, good to hear that they've been contributing actively towards your goals as well. Let's come back to basketball. And, uh, you know, for a second, just about Indian talent, you know, making it globally, uh, you know, big. Like, I, mean, I know a few years ago, I saw the John Hamm movie, which was the million dollar arm, you know, where there's a baseball uh, coach who's coming in to, you know, a talent uh, scout who's coming in to pick up, uh, you know, Indian talent. Do you see that trend actually growing? And do you think that's actually, you know, sustainable? And can we have like a, a Yao Ming that's come out of, you know, China, come out of India as well? And maybe even how the Eastern European countries, you know, have right. been sending talent across. So do you see that story actually playing out uh, in a bigger way? Interesting. I mean, this is, this is the reason, this is also a major reason why I got into basketball, right? As, as I had started and told you that my entire vision was to teach kids the right way. Uh, and I went to the US, I got shadowed under some of the top skill development player uh, coaches of the world right. who work with NBA players during the pre-draft uh, as Gannon Baker, my mentor Cody Toppert was the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. I shadowed him with the G League team, which is like the runji level of mm-hmm. uh, the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I spent two weeks with University of Connecticut, Stanford, some leading women's college basketball programs, right. just seeing what is it that they're doing with these 15-year-old girls. Right. And they're the world's best. Yep. At 15, they're the world's best players. Wow. And, uh, you know, our vision in India is, of course, that we want to do that for India. Uh, basketball is very popular at the school level, very popular at the college level. However, the kind of training required to develop talent is not there yet. Right. You know, uh, when we talk about just a regular school and what should be taught over there, that gap needs to be bridged for us to nurture talent. Mm-hmm. It, the NBA coaches don't nurture NBA talent. The high school and the middle school coaches nurture NBA talent. We would know of only the the NBA coach with whom LeBron James won a championship. None of us would know who his high school coach was. But the high school coach is the guy who developed that guy. Who got him to that level. So everybody needs to think, taking everything five steps back and saying, what are we doing with nine to ten year old kids? Are we teaching them the game the right way? You know, and and we're trying to do our bit with setting up our academies in different places. We're looking at setting up a center of excellence, a world-class facility in Jaipur, uh, where kids from across the country can come, learn, live, and train the right way with nutrition, with rehab, because it's all an amalgamation of all of that, which will develop an athlete. Because right. uh, injuries are extremely high, mm-hmm. and players need the best physios, the best recoveries, yeah. all of that. Yeah. This is something which a lot of players around the world are getting at the high school level. You know, and unfortunately in our country, even at the highest level, some of the players are not getting it. Mm -hmm. So now with government schemes such as the Kalo India, public-private partnerships like the Jindal's investing heavily into um, an academy in Bangalore called Inspire, it's Bellary. Mm -hmm. And and more and more people are now wanting to come up. Prakash Padukone and Dravid have come up with the center of excellence. Uh, North India currently doesn't have a lot in this end. Um, But I feel that there's huge potential in Uttar Pradesh, Haryana, Rajasthan, UP, uh, Delhi. And uh, we feel that um, the right kind of training, the right kind of curriculum, uh, we are trying to bridge that gap where we're also trying to help schools have better evaluation systems for their coaches. You know, a lot of times you have a director of sports trying to evaluate a basketball program. Unfortunately, the director of sports does not know enough about multiple sports. Mm -hmm. That person is also majorly majored into one sport. So now there are schools like we have collaborations in Noida where a school is saying you are only we need you only for basketball. We're bringing someone else for football. Um, 
yes it is more management for the school administration but it's also something where you are able to deliver more for those kids who are paying you a premium fees right. or uh, want to come up with an evening academy right. uh, sort of a thing so india is uh, i would say 5 to 10 years away i wouldn't even say that the of course the nba being the 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 ultimate goal but there are leagues around the world such as the euro league the leagues in australia new zealand spain spain being one of the highest paid leagues right. of the world where indians can eventually have a chance yeah. i'm not saying at the highest level there are like yeah. five divisions of high level basketball i'm saying Ind- indians have a chance on the fifth level mm-hmm. but for that we need to do a lot from scouting reports to video footage analysis to uh, getting these kids early identification these are all very sm- small but extremely important steps in terms of nurturing talent sure. japan has done a fabulous job australia was nowhere to be seen a few years back but has set up a strong grassroots program mm-hmm. where now they have almost 10 out of 12 players playing in the nba in their national team wow. so that's what small countries like slovenia have done now right. where they they came fourth in the olympic yep. you know yep. so uh, india with the population we have with the number of people playing basketball uh, uh, there is no dearth of talent but but what needs to be done is it needs to be brought into a structure and uh, i think uh, hopefully if if all goes well dribble academy might be at the forefront of nurturing some high level talent for the country eventually wow i mean 100% and, and truly like you know the passion in him just shines through right and and they'd always say man of course also sales coach but when you're having a conversation with someone who's on the other side who's passionate i mean their eyes light up their physiology lights up you'd have seen that in the last few minutes as well so truly someone you know who is who's just i mean it's i, I would probably go to the extent and saying that basketball is probably his religion um you know do you also see yourself doing like a apolela gopichand like what he did for badminton do you see yourself doing that for, yeah. for basketball i mean exactly what we want to do and uh i was going to come to a little more on the business side and in, mm-hmm. in this entire thing of mm-hmm. you know the corporate funding and stuff mm-hmm. where uh we i definitely that is one of the persons i you know want to definitely do it i yeah. definitely want to have an impact on a larger number of kids not just 10 high level talent so but there's only so much you can do in so much time but if we can set up a system where we impact a million kids as well as nurture talent and have an entire pyramid system where we have centers of development centers of excellence uh, with grassroots academies through a not for profit uh, uh, you know uh, that's that's the entire setup that's the goal uh, i'm nowhere close to where i want to be in that end i haven't even probably made 10% progress in that end of nurturing high level talent but now i feel that it's the time and now i'm coming across a lot of investors and people who really feel that uh, basketball can be a sport which can go to the nation uh and become an extremely popular sport um because of the easy availability of uh, infrastructure the 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 less kind of investment required for people to play this game i mean you look at a racket game it's expensive yeah. tennis badminton yeah. squash yeah. basketball is cheap you know uh, and that's why it flourished in a lot of under reserved communities across the world uh, and and i think uh if we can make any progress where we can have players and it's very important that people understand that the goal could be the nba right, right. but you need to have short term goals you know and and the short term goal is we need to have players playing in small professional leagues around the world maybe not crazy money but they're getting better exposure than they would if they are playing in india if they play in australia or new zealand they get way better exposure sure. so so we need to first 
say, let's have centers, let's develop talent for these. And that will eventually lead up to the NBA. The NBA could be an extremely far-fetched dream also. Correct. You know, we've had Satnam Singh who made it to the league but did not flourish. We've had Amjot Singhil who made it to the league but did not flourish. Uh, so, so what I feel is that maybe we need to be putting, and even the NBA needs to put them into slightly less competitive leagues earlier. Right. Give them a lot of exposure there. Give them a lot of playing time and then eventually... The NBA can be the eventual goal for yeah, them. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I think all it's going to take is just a few good success stories. And I think once those come in and they're amplified, uh, and today, of course, it's all about uh, you know forums like the podcast, uh, you know YouTube, um, social media, etc. And I think once you know that's just taken and amplified, I think then the sky's the limit. And just probably going to take those one two, you know. Tipping points that will just make the entire thing blow. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing. kind of investment which has happened in badminton post PV Sindhu and Saina Nehwal and a lot of other players who've gotten success, you're looking at a lot of corporates investing into badminton, mm. uh, setting up good infrastructure, public-private partnerships with long-term leads with the government. Uh, so, badminton has boomed now where people are finding it difficult to even find a, an empty court. That's the kind of that thing. And people, the best part about these that sport definitely is that you could have, you could start at the age of seven, you could play it up to 55, you know, which might not be the case in a lot of sports. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's it's definitely, I mean, Yao Ming is probably the only player who's had a successful stint professionally around the world. Sure. But the, and that was early 2000s and the country is still benefiting off it. Yeah. So we definitely need to more move towards that. I'm hoping now with Neera Chopra and the Javelin, I think now more and more people will start aspiring to, to for, towards that medal. And, uh, and I feel that the government as well as the corporates need to have a more uh, focused approach to promote the game at the grassroots, which will automatically start nurturing talent at the higher level. Agreed. No, couldn't agree more on that one for sure. And like I said, you know, I'll also have a conversation with some friends, uh, you know, and people that we've been associated with for many years. And let's just amplify this because truly it's about omnipresence. It's about just being, you know, visual everywhere. It's just being on all forums. It's just about, you know, amplifying what's really happening, just keeping that spotlight on yourself. And that's important. And we'll, we'll sit down and work on some stuff over there as Indeed. well. Do you at some point see perhaps like a, a dangle type movie being made where you're the protagonist and you've got, you know, a couple of these kids, you know, who you've, who've taken, you know, to a journey. I'm not saying now, maybe right. like in a few years from now. Right. Do you see something like that actually right. playing out? Right. I'm hoping now there's a film on a guy uh, who uh, has founded uh, a football in the slums called Slum Soccer. And Amitabh Bachchan has just come out with a film last week called Jund. So... Uh, yeah, there are people who are pitching uh, on Netflix and OTT mm. platforms for a story on Dribble Academy to some of the biggest stars in, in Bollywood. So we're hoping. We definitely want to nurture far more talent for them to make a film. Yeah. Uh, we don't think we're there yet. But uh, it's definitely a journey which also must be captured. So and the entire vision behind what we want to do, uh, which can then amplify. And, you know, we have a 100 villages goal. We have a 100 hoops goal for this year mm -hmm. where we plan to set up 100 hoops in 100 different villages. Mm -hmm. Just a hoop. And we're going to show you what impact that hoop brings, Lovely. you know. Uh, so we've already set up five hoops and, and I'm hoping that it can amplify also because it's not a lot of investment, but there's a lot of return because we started one with a parking lot right next to ATS mm -hmm. and we just put it up uh, uh, on a tree mm -hmm. and now 200 kids play out there every I've day, 200 village kids yeah. play every day. Yeah. So it definitely sends a strong message that some form of availability of infrastructure can also just, just the infrastructure part could also solve a lot of problems for the urban slums and villages. Uh, 
and then can be the training part of it, which can come secondary. For but sure. if there are corporates who are saying, let's just first solve the problem of infrastructure, we would love to be, you know, associated with them and help them amplify that effort. For and them. 100 hoops, uh, what's that going to cost like per hoop for someone to invest if they're looking to become a sponsor? So it's about 30k a hoop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at about uh, 30 lakhs for, for 100 hoops. Yeah. And we're also wanting more and more people to just give up one hoop. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if 100 people can give one hoop each, yeah. we're sol- solving a big problem. And, and the slums where there is very less space, um, this game can actually be something which can, the three-on-three Olympic format right. might actually be a game which requires some of the l- least amount of space uh, to play a, an Olympic sport. Correct. You know, Correct. of course, there could be table tennis, but then you need an indoor space, you need rackets, you need balls. Yeah. Over here, you need a ball and a hoop yeah. and just some concrete space. So uh, we're hoping, we have a professional league, by the way, happening in Chandigarh right now called 3BL. And uh, it's a professional league where players are going to get paid to play in that league. We have foreign players playing. The federations associated with them. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, now the game's only going to grow from here. Wow. And we just want to be a part of uh, 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 promoting the game in communities where people would not have even thought that a game like this would be possible. So true. So ladies and gentlemen, like I said, let's make that happen. Um, Pradeep, tell me how can people contribute? Where can they find you? Where can they reach you? Of course, uh, I will put uh, links to your the Dribble Academy. And uh, various other uh, you know forums where you can be found. I'll put that on the on the links uh, you know on the YouTube uh, video that we post and also on our social media as well. But where can people reach out to you, and what is the best way for them to get in touch with you to make these charitable donations? Right. So we have a website called dribbleacademyfoundation.org. You know they can contact us over there. They can drop in a message. We have our entire um, details out there in terms of donations. Uh, if any corporate would like to get in touch with me, I'm available on dribbleacademy at gmail.com. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm available on Instagram. If there are kids who are listening to your podcast, uh, young college kids who want to be associated with, uh, 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 I would call it a sports revolution. Uh, we would be happy to have you guys on board. We want to make this a team effort. Uh, you know, I want more and more people to be involved with this entire initiative for us to be able to amplify what we want to do. And uh, uh, I think uh, uh, a lot of people need to hear this story need to know that this is also possible, that this is also something they can do for their own community if they ever want to do something. Okay, uh, maybe even for their birthday, uh, sacrifice a party and maybe spend that money yeah. uh, donating to a community. I think that's also a growing trend where a lot of kids and their families want to give out a small portion so, of their uh, birthday funds towards a cause. Uh, India, in general, giving doesn't come so easily. Uh, but I think there's a growing trend of that. Uh, with schools encouraging children to volunteer, it's kind of mandatory now with, I think, the IB and the CBSE that you need to volunteer in not-for-profit organizations. So uh, if schools um, can also come together to say, hey, here is a village, let's sort five issues of theirs out. Let's give out our facility uh, to impact them. That's a huge contribution to, to the ecosystem because there are, I mean, I'll tell you honestly, we're next to... 20 schools which are considered the most fancy schools across northern India, right? And what are these, who is utilizing these facilities, right? They need to open up their doors to say, let's impact the entire community. If we've got a basketball court, why should only 500 kids of our school get access? Give it to 5,000 kids. Of course, there are limitations you have. Uh, but 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 still, these are um, uh, institutional lands given by the government on concessional rates, and I think the government also needs to enforce this as a, as some form of compliance that these facilities need to be used for the community 
also in in addition to the school children utilizing these facilities so there are like plenty ways of giving back to the community and uh, you know from setting up skill development centers we're trying to set up a library we're trying to set up a digital literacy center in geja so that more kids learn that thing some of our uh, kids are already learning coding uh, from this one village in noida and i hope that that can also amplify and more girls more kids uh, learn learn this uh, learn learn the art of you know learning like different different areas of uh, being successful in life lovely no seriously um as i mentioned in the early introduction a man on a mission and uh, he's not stopping i mean you're not in this room you you know the energy here is is off the charts i mean he's someone who is you know truly driven by his why by his purpose and um, like i said you know this is really one cause that everyone needs to be looking at everyone needs to be taking up have a conversation meet him over a cup of tea coffee you know and just hear his vision out because uh, we met at you know a dinner a few weeks ago and uh, i was i was just blown away and i said that whatever i can do in my capacity you know let's make a start with this podcast today with this recording on the youtube video today and we'll take this further um causes such as these need to be pushed up and it's not about just taking you know that small village in noida and putting it on the map but it's about putting you know india on the on the world map of basketball and beyond i mean just look at all the other things that are happening from the perspective of you know empowering children keeping them away from you know drug addiction i mean truly an idle mind is is a is a devil's workshop right and it's about taking these kids who after they finish you know with school or their daily chores can just be productively doing something which you know releases the right kind of you know well hormones in the body and chemicals in the body and just and get their minds thinking towards a better future so pradeep thank you so much for coming down to the gba thank you so much for coming on the smash bash yet not dash podcast i know there's many smash bash moments that happen for you even now you know where there are other challenges around fundraising and and issues that pop up and bringing in talent and coaches and so much more but i have no doubt that you will overcome them all and truly do well ats and and noida um proud and of course india proud in due course as well so thank you Indeed. so much for being here thank you so much for having me